0: listeners welcome back it is so great to have you with us for this edition of throwing shade with Miriam and Alan Alan what's new and exciting
1: Baruch Hashem. Things are good. I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting yeah. ready for Yantip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Rosh Hashanah is upon us and it's going to be amazing. Um, in the meantime, we are wrapping up a long weekend. I'm traveling again this week, so we're recording a bit early and it's exciting to be back in the swing of things. Um, so this is lucky episode number 13. Is there any significance to 13 in Judaism? Ah,
1: uh, Yeah um in the sense that it's an odd number yeah um odd numbers are good uh <laughs> even numbers are possibly misfortunate mm. and um even number that's another another episode for another episode <laughs>
0: Wow. I think that was a record of referring <laughs> to recording another episode. Okay, great. So we'll talk about numbers another time, but we're on lucky number 13. And, um, I thought it'd be cool for this episode to do a little bit of a deeper dive and in- dive into one specific demon that most of us have probably never heard about, but we can, you know, explore this demon's personality a little bit and get to know them a little better. How does that sound?
1: Uh- Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do my best.
0: <laughs> so um so Shabriri is who? Tell us a little bit about this this demon who goes by this name Shabriri.
1: Right. Well I can do better than that. Oh wow. Um,
0: Ooh. righty. Let's do it.
1: There is a uh well, it's in the Gemara. Yeah. When we find Shabriri. Um, uh it's a, it's in Psachim. Bzach-
0: okay. So the, the Talmudic tractate of about Pesach, about Passover, right, Pesachim, yeah.
1: The Passovers,
0: the Passovers, plural, yes.
1: Um, and it's uh, Daf Kufyud Bass, um, page, page which is a number,
0: page 112, like the band, okay.
1: Um, there's a band called Page
0: 112, it's
1: not Page, just 112. Okay. Okay, all
0: All right. right. Um, It's it's not a terribly timely reference. I don't blame you for not getting it. Okay, go ahead.
1: I know 311.
0: That is totally different. All right. (laughs) Okay, continue. We're on 182. (laughs) Yes, there are other bands with numbers. (laughs) Matchbox 20. Okay. Okay. Oh, we've gone too far. Okay. Okay, Okay, so 112 in Sakhim. Great.
1: Yes, and it comes after almost two full Amudim about shading and it's like the very end of this whole run of really cool stuff about shading cool um and uh what, what we have is so our, our rabbis teach us mm-hmm. um a person shouldn't drink water not from rivers or from ponds at night or lakes whatever at mm. night mm-hmm. um okay Okay, So
0: we've already covered like not drinking, not leaving water glasses uncovered. And this is liquid. Right. But this is this is specifically water at night from different sources.
1: Well, we're going to come. Yeah, This which it starts starts here. It starts with rivers and lakes. OK. Um, and.
0: Uh, which are all like examples of living water. Right. That's water that moves and might be. Well, uh, I'll let you go. Go Thank ahead. You. Continue. Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> all right. Balila. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. V- V'imshata. And if a person did drink the water from such a place at such a time, mm. damoy beraysha. His blood is upon his own head. Ooh. Right. That's a, the Talmudic way of saying.
0: This is a terrible idea. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Mipna um, sakana, because of its because of its danger. Right. Okay. Uh, my sakana what kind of danger is this sakana sakanas shabriri it's the danger of shabriri
0: (gasps) and there we have shabriri amazing okay so this is our introduction continue
1: right um so uh a lot of um translations of the word shabriri is simply blindness Hmm. so um I, i couldn't tell you exactly why that is i'm not expert enough in the nameology of it. Um, yeah. And uh, and maybe it has a connection to Aramaic. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, it's often translated as blindness. In either case, this is the power of Shabriri. Mm-hmm. In other words, if a person drinks from a river or from a pond or lake or whatever, mm. at night, they're risking their own blindness their own eyesight. Rather. Right. Um, hmm. And uh, as a result, the blood is upon their head. It's putting themselves in a, in a very dangerous situation. Right. Okay. Hmm. <clears throat> um, and the, the shade is called Shabriri. Mm-hmm. And it continues. Um, and, but what if he's thirsty?
0: <laughs> that is a fair question. And not one I would have expected the Talmud uh, to ask.
1: Right. What, what should he do?
0: Yeah. That's legit. So, what should he do?
1: Okay, iika inish If there's another person with him, say to him, planya bar which is, you know, so and so son of so and so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. tchina um, uh, maya. Say, I- I'm thirsty. Um, okay. <laughs> You go to somebody and you say, I'm thirsty.
0: Oh, so you, like, ask a person to get you something to drink as opposed to just wandering over to a river in the dark and drinking from it. Is that what it's implying?
1: Um, no, this is, um, (laughs) this is, if a person, this is all in the context of if there is a river or a lake at night with water in it, a person wants to go drink from it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's, let's take, uh, Reuven and Shimon, two people, Reuven and Shimon. Sure. Um, In this first scenario that we're discussing right now, Reuven and Shimon are together and they're going out at night. Mm -hmm. Reuven is thirsty Mm -hmm. um, and he wants to drink water from the river that happens to be right on their path in front of them. Right. So in order to not put himself in the danger of Shabriri, Mm -hmm. he can look at Shimon and say, hey, Shimon, son of, I don't know, Yaakov, yeah I'm thirsty and then Ruven can then go and drink from the water okay wait and that's that scenario one okay okay let's roll with it all right um scenario the, the, you're, you're confused the, the I am <laughs> um, <laughs> how be, did you know <laughs> before be, we before we move on to the next scenario the purpose of this is that somehow it removes the danger of Shabriri yeah, I there. follow
0: that. I just have no idea why. Okay. Okay. Continue.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and if there's nobody else there mm-hmm. with him, um, he should say, Planya, that's so and so. He'd say to himself. <laughs> yeah. So Reuven would say, Hey Ruvein, uh-huh. right? To himself. Right. Amra I'm amrali I'm imi, my mother told me be careful of Shabriri
0: right there'll be days like this
1: there'll right. be
0: days like this Shabriri, my mother said yeah okay
1: um and then uh there is a special formula that he says mm-hmm. um, and this is a lachash. one could call it an incantation mm, there's th- things like whisper. this um sure yeah um there's certain things like this revolving around shadim and um, you find this in other places as well, but here's how it goes. Ooh! Um, it says in the Gemara, you say the word shabriri, mm-hmm. and then you say the word beriri, mm. which is the word shabriri minus the first letter. Right. Then you say riri,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: subtracting the first letter. After I that.
0: see where this is going. Then you
1: say iri, uh huh, and then you say ri, yeah, okay, and then after that you say maya means, bekasei chivri, which means I am thirsty for water from white cups.
0: Okay, that sounds like a great place to take a break. <laughs> okay, so we just heard about... Walking along the river, taking a stroll at night as one is wont to do. And what happens if you do that with another person or with yourself? And you want to avoid going blind after drinking from said water source. Or to uh, prevent
1: beforehand you, you know, speak to the person next to you if there is someone or right, just to right. yourself, speak to yourself.
0: Okay, so, so what else can we say about this?
1: Well, I think what's interesting is that Um, whether it's Shabriri or not, and I think that it is, uh, what we find in later sources is that this whole rivers and lakes and ponds thing gets expanded into other things as well, such as um, such as uh, just cups full Mm -hmm. of liquid, even if it's not water. Mm -hmm. Um, Standing liquid that is drinkable. Potable liquid. Um, And uh, it's very interesting and i think part of the reason for that is that actually we find in shulchan aruch in a number of places it's referred to uh, as a prohibition because it used to be how a lot of um, uh, uh, thus call them demon worshiping religions would worship mm. their demons by bribery um, oh. and these are these are forbidden uh, according to the laws of avodah zara um, so uh, th- and hmm. so uh, it's sort of Shabriri, which we have from the tradition in the Gemara, kind of gets folded into those prohibitions. Oh, that's fascinating. I
0: think. Huh. Yeah, because we have so we've mentioned the standing water thing in a very early episode and like the idea of covering cups um, right. when you're leaving uh, when you're leaving some liquid that you've been drinking out on its own. Um and, uh, so, so to avoid the, uh, you know, bringing on a, a particular demon who could, who could potentially make you go blind. Um, but something <laughs> that I, and the, the, the Avodazara, the, um, the, the worship of the foreign worship, um, did not at all occur to me, but what's something that I really appreciated about that little piece from the Talmud was that, that sort of nursery rhyme incantation where you're kind of gradually chipping away at Shabriri's name. Right. And and literally minimizing him and his name and his influence Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, as you're uh, as you're going about your day and just just need a drink of water. Um, So that was really interesting. And I also think it's you know, it it ties back to an earlier story that we talked about as well with like demons hanging out at the bottom of like gutters, basically where it's gross Mm -hmm. and. Um, there's probably some legit health concerns <laughs> around <laughs> just like being in those spaces. And so suddenly that danger has a has a name and has a personality Interesting. and has um, like there's some um, very specific force that you're avoiding by not doing those particular behaviors. Like there's, I would imagine there's some, um, and the doctors in our listening base can maybe speak better to this, but I imagine there's some uh, you know health reason that you may not <laughs> want to drink from a random river at night um that uh, that that i imagine is is at least somewhat behind the rabbi saying this is probably not a good idea
1: possibly i don't know the answer to that either
0: and at the same time then the sort of verbal incantation stuff doesn't exactly make that go away
1: no it doesn't and neither and i am again the science is not clear to me but why would it make a difference if the river was at night or during the day
0: well maybe i mean but then shiviri tied to blindness right so it's probably a, a visibility issue like you can't you literally can't see what's in the water
1: oh i see what you're saying right so oh, maybe yeah. maybe
0: not with the drinking of it you <laughs> <Okay>. know right
1: <laughs> right well it's interesting that um at least in a lot of traditions uh for havdal a lot of hasidic traditions that i'm familiar with um, havdalah happens at night mm-hmm. and you drink a full cup of wine right. for, as part of the ceremony. Right. So there are all kinds of ways to avoid drinking a stationary that is, um, you know, standing cup of wine mm-hmm. or grape juice or whatever at night mm-hmm. um, <coughs> uh, for Havdalah. So, mm. um, so I know it's a Chabad custom to, even during the ceremony, cover the wine, cover the the, the cup, because you say the hmm. bracha first and you don't drink until after you make a few more brachas. Oh. So Chabad custom I've seen is to uh, cover the cup of wine because mm-hmm. it's at night. Hmm. Um, and you and you, you don't drink it right afterwards as opposed to like, for example, Friday night Kiddush, you do drink it right away. Right. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm also familiar with the Biala custom of... It's very tricky. There's a whole choreography to it. Um, This is Mm -hmm. what I do every uh, Mm -hmm. every, uh, and
0: Biala uh, for those listeners who might not be familiar, like just like Chabad is a sect of Mm. um, a particular kind of um, Hasidic or sort of mystical, kind of very uh, what some may say, ultra-Orthodox kind of um, version of Judaism. Biala is another subsect of that world. Right. That has its own set of traditions and dress and all that kind of good stuff.
1: Right. So there's a whole choreography after the wine is poured, um, uh, the person making the Havdalah will take their hand and um, sort of scrape off the top layer of the wine onto the table and then (laughs) scrape it from the table onto the floor and there's a the wait re- you do this no i do not do this part oh but um, i was gonna say <laughs> i've been missing something but but, <laughs> no, but this 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 isn't related to shabriri it's actually related to another thing we find in a different part of the gamara mm-hmm. um another tradition to not drink the first top bit of the thing because
0: hmm.
1: shading um shading that's right. the
0: answer to most things now it's really not yeah
1: <laughs> anyway um uh, the choreo- the choreography is like so you first you take the the cup you make the kiddish like you normally would hold it in your hand like it's shabbos mm-hmm. and then you switch to the left hand but you don't put the cup down yet and then you make the next bracha mm-hmm. and then the third and then the third bracha you put the cup down but you still hold it in your hand because wow. you don't let right a whole thing it's this down, is an
0: elaborate dance and then
1: on the last bracha you pick it up you switch hands again and you pick it up and, um, huh. yeah, could all for the purpose of not making it standing, considered standing liquid. Oh. Um, and so there's, and I'm sorry, these are the Chabad custom and the one I just mentioned are just different examples of trying to avoid hmm. it being a standing li- pool of liquid. It happens to be in a cup that you plan to drink from, but you, because, because there's a right. break basically between... The bracha on the wine and the drinking of the wine. Mm-hmm. You make a bracha on the spices and on the candle in between. Right,
0: a blessing on the yeah. There's a whole order to the
1: right. to and the ceremony the as with any, of yeah. Shabbos, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
0: wow, what do you know? So you kind of literally keep it moving.
1: Correct. Hmm. Well, that's the Biala one, and that's the part I do. But um, but like I said, chabad often cover right. the wine. They right. put it down, but they cover it.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Alan. We got this probably rhetorical listener question, and we're going to answer it anyway. So, <laughs> Alan, how do you feel? Are you ready for this?
1: Uh, whatever.
0: Anna gave us this great question. She tweeted and said, I'm having so much fun listening to the podcast. Thanks, Anna. We're having a great Thank time you, creating it. And I'm um, so glad to hear that. Um, but then she follows it by saying, how did I go, th- go through seven years of yeshiva and never learn about Shadim? And again, you probably meant this rhetorically, but we're <laughs> going to take it seriously and go ahead and answer that. Alan, how, how in the world did Anna go through seven years, seven, by the way, Kolika vote Anna for like going through that and doing all that learning. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, but how did she get through all of that without everyone's learning about shading, and is now forced to learn about it from us couple of schmoes? Right.
1: Um. Yeah, we
0: g- schmoes. Rather, that is a great grammar nerd. question. I don't yes. know
1: if it was rhetorical. I think it, I. I'm
0: pretty sure. Yeah, okay. w- but let's do it anyway.
1: I. I really hope it wasn't because this is one of my favorite things to discuss. <laughs> um,
0: Why do we learn what we learn ever anywhere?
1: I think it's a great question. Yeah. Right. Um. Right. That's, yeah. Um. So, there are probably a number of reasons for it. Mm-hmm. And it all has to do with our cultural context. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, if Anna, Anna, right? Mm-hmm. If Anna were living in 16th century Lithuania yeah. Geez, or Anna. Why 12th you century, in- <laughs> you know, Ashkenaz or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, or... Even, you know, some uh, not that long ago. Um, in, yeah, all this in stuff would have been and totally to- right. assumed
0: part of the curriculum, part of your life.
1: Right. 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 Um And even. Uh, she
0: probably wouldn't have been going to yeshiva, at that, but that's a different story. OK. You know, right. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: anyway, Um but it would have been yeshiva, a part of her life. by the way, life.
0: is like religious seminary.
1: Sure. Religious school. Right. Yeah. Um, it would have been part of her life, even if she weren't learning it in yeshiva, mm-hmm. um, right. And she would have learned it some other way, right? You know, cultural context, like I'm trying to say, for sure. Um, for sure, it
0: would have been a part of her everyday life,
1: absolutely, right? Uh, and so the question really is, why is it not part of our cultural context today? Mm-hmm. And I think that, like I said, there are a couple, uh, there are a number of reasons for it. If you want to look just at the texts. There's an interesting folk thing that happens that we can also talk about in a, another episode um, where these there are these two and you're making, you're making lists.
0: I'm seriously putting together a drinking game of like... <laughs> Like what are the Miriam makes a reverent cultural reference that Alan doesn't pick up on, or Alan refers to talking about something in a subsequent episode. And like, we're going to leave our listeners really drunk by the time I put together this, this bingo card.
1: Okay. That sounds great.
0: But continue. Don't (laughs) let me interrupt with my, (laughs)
1: Um, with
0: my little side quips. uh,
1: So there are, Great Jewish philosophers, mm-hmm. who, as we've mentioned on a number of occasions, are very rationalistic in their approach. In their approach, right? Some of whom are open to the idea of shadim, sort of le- like you've mentioned, Miriam, that there are these shadim that are ways of explaining things that we can also explain in other ways, such as right. science. Sure, sure. Um, uh, and some of whom just outright reject shadim. Mm-hmm. As much as they possibly can within their cultural context. Right. Um, the most famous maybe of that is Rambam, Ugh. Maimonides, Rambam, um, who called Shadim belief in Shadim and practice revolving around Shadim. He used the he used the word that would be translated as insanity. Mm.
0: Um, Not one to mince words, Maimonides,
1: <laughs> <laughs> which for many reasons is also can be a good thing. Sure. But um, but uh, um, so that's one. you know, put that on one side and and keep in mind that Rambam is a godol. He's a, he's a Tzadik in a lot of people's minds. And he um, certainly um, uh, had the power if he wanted to, to erase Shadim from the planet. And we Mm -hmm. see actually, or from existence. And we had, we have examples of in the Gemara and again, another episode um, we have examples in the Gemara of <laughs> take a gulp. Yes, I did. Um, of of uh, Amoraim and, and or maybe it's a Tana. I don't remember. Sages, ancient sages, mm-hmm. who are so powerful with their mitzvahs that they can actually limit shedim to mm-hmm. an extent. Mm-hmm. And if you keep limiting and limiting and limiting over the course of time, you, by the time you come to somebody like the Rambam, you have the power to actually eliminate. So there's a folk tradition. That Rambam, when he said shadim don't exist, mm-hmm. actually ceased the existence of shadim. Wow! But mm. fast forward about four or five hundred years, yeah, and you get to another goyol named who's known as the Vilna Gaon, mm-hmm. and um, he talks in a number of places, and it's very clear that it's him saying this. Um, In other words, sometimes things get attributed to him that aren't really him. But this is definitely him saying, Mm -hmm. no, Shadim are real, and the philosophers got it wrong. So the other half of that folk coin is that the Vilna Gaon actually brought Shadim back. (laughs) Um,
0: I love these like timey-wimey arguments that happen in Judaism where it's where it really is like there's these two, these two sort of heavy hitters in the rabbinic tradition who are going at it against one another and have these very different ideas and bring different sources and they're doing it centuries apart from one another <laughs> right no that's um, but like that's that's sort of the essence and the richness of the tradition and so the village right, god is taken is down is taking down it's trying to take down my Maimonides hundreds of years later and like having this um, having this 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 uh, like post time dimensional kind of conversation. With this, with a sage that he disagrees with,
1: yeah. Um, but that's the textual side. Textual side. I think what Anna's question really is getting to is, um, why th- do we learn what we learn? Why do we learn what we learn? Why don't we learn about all of the supra-rational stuff mm-hmm. like Shadeem? Right. And um, it has to do, in my opinion, and this is not based on anything. This is just based on my observations mm. um we we live in a cultural context that is that basically reveres rationalism and reveres a, a sort of western logic mm-hmm. and something like science comes along and says we can explain something that we used to be able to explain with shadim now we can explain it with science science actually replaces the shadim mm-hmm. and um or you know, uh, if it doesn't make sense, if I can't put my finger on it, if I can, if, it, if it doesn't make sense in the physical universe, in a physical way, if I can't even begin to explain it, mm-hmm. then either it's not real mm-hmm. or it needs further study. But it's not that um, or that it's uh, but it's not uh, accepted as super rational. It's not accepted as something beyond the possibility of human imagination and human thought Mm -hmm. um and you know so it's it's got to do with the enlightenment the jewish enlightenment it has to do with coming to right i don't know where anna lives but if it's in america or some western country this this sort of revering of western logic and rationalism right
0: and intellectual kind of judaism
1: Yeah. yeah yeah I'm sorry if I stamped on you, Mary. <laughs> like
0: no, no. I, th- I mean, I think it's I think it's fascinating and it's such a it's a much, much bigger conversation that's totally worth having about why do we learn what we learn and what's the the role of this supernatural stuff, which um, which I think shading fallen into and fall into an interesting category with that, because you could look at it as part of um. That bigger picture of a more spiritual Judaism and connecting to the divine and and all of that, but you could also look at that thread of Shadim as a a cultural construct in a way and something that was part of the thread, the fabric of society of Jewish society for really you know hundreds if not thousands of years, and um, you know was a kind of shared experience that we've intentionally kind of chipped away at the way that Shabriri's name was <laughs> sort of, yeah. you know, taken taken away, right? So it, it falls into both of those categories in some ways, and both of those feel off limits in a lot of Jewish educational environments, I think.
1: Well, that's another issue, absolutely. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. There is one thing that I do just want to clarify. If I sound... Like I'm lamenting that we don't learn about mm-hmm. Shadim.
0: It's only because you are.
1: No, absolutely not. Really? I actually think it's a great thing that we no not longer learn about Shadim. And I think it's a sign. You mentioned something about connecting to the, divine, to the divine, right? Yeah. Do you remember, if you remember, we've mentioned this on a number of occasions as well. The best way to prevent Shadim coming into your <laughs> existence, into your is life. Is to
0: do a mitzvah. To do mitzvahs.
1: Yeah. And to focus on learning Taira. And learning mitzvahs now obviously this is part of Tyra and it, and and if you don't get to it in your seven or more years of yeshiva right it's only because you learn, you've learned so much other Tyra
0: yeah I imagine Anna learned a lot of great stuff
1: <laughs> I think ho- I would hope so yeah but 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 um essentially by learning Tyra you're removing Shadim this is the, the rabbis tell us this themselves you're removing Shadim from your life mm-hmm. and I don't think it's a bad thing that people don't learn. About Shadium and Yashina. Well, but it's
0: an interesting. I don't know if it's a paradox or right quite the right way to frame it. But this idea that first of all, okay, so so you mentioned previously that Maimonides, for instance, Ramban is on such a high level that just by declaring that Shadim don't exist, suddenly they're gone, right? And then it's like a there's this other sure. And so, and then there's this this other piece that you just mentioned of like learning about Torah and mitzvahs and doing them is the way to keep shadim away. So, like in both of those examples, there's this really interesting tension between like are they real or are they not, and um, is there like what role do shadim play? Do you need to learn about them in order to expel them? In order to like make sure that they're not around and not believe that they're real or what? Like it's sort of it's it's very um sort of like folding in on itself in a way are you following me at all nope no nope? <laughs> amazing Anna you your question <laughs> was awesome I if even if it wasn't whether it was rhetorical or not thank you for sharing it thank you for listening um guys if you have other questions that you want to shoot to us please do so on Twitter at throwing shade and we'll uh we'll get to it in another episode. <laughs> So we've run a tad long this episode, but we're going to do a very quick <laughs> <think it's> a <laughs> action <record. laughs> item, regardless. Um, so something that that this conversation made me think of was, first of all, we've come back to the havdala ceremony several times in our 13 episode run, and so I imagine there will be even more to mind there. Um, but as you were describing the switching the hands and keeping the cup moving and covering the top and all of this, I realized that there's a lot that I just miss having done mm. havdala you know, hundreds of times and having, you know, been in these, in these situations a lot. And so um, what I would encourage our listeners to do is to next time you go into something familiar, put on some beginner's eyes Hmm. and, um, and try and see what you haven't been seeing. Notice the little things and ask some questions. And um, that's, that may be where some, uh, where some new insights comes from when you can approach something with a beginner's mind then you can you can always learn something new and fun out of it wouldn't you agree alan
1: yeah that Amazing. sounds great
0: cool thanks everybody always a pleasure um, really exciting to be here with with you all on uh, this past edition of throwing shade better living through jewish demonology um we are miriam and alan and we will catch you all next time thanks everybody